Hello and welcome to the Your Gym Big Sister podcast. I hope we are having a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this and welcome back to the show my lovelies I'm so happy to to have you back um thank you all so much for the big big love on not my most recent episode my most recent episode was with um with Georgie and that was uh very well received so thanks for the love on that one um but I do mean the episode before that my kind of post-show wrap-up episode and talking all about my future plans I have been blown away by how many amazing messages I've gotten from people um just kind of thanking me for sharing my experience or just being open being honest um it really has meant the world um Uh, My podcast has reached 10,000 listens. It's actually at 11,000 now, um, which is fucking insane to me, guys. Like, like I still I still can't believe I'm on episode 26. Well, first of all, I can't believe it like that many episodes I'm on that many listens like and look I know that to some people that's probably nothing but I genuinely didn't like I started this podcast being like I'm gonna keep doing it but part of me was like I'm definitely not gonna keep this up but I'm so happy that you know I'm, I'm on to episode 26 like this is a this is a permanent thing now guys and it's just been amazing to watch it grow and just to like you know I, I'll get messages from people being like oh I found you through the podcast which is just mad to me so yeah thanks so much everybody for anyone who has shared it or even just like like given a review or even just listen to it because you know the more people that listen to it the more it kind of gets shown to other people so yeah I just wanted to say thanks because it's uh it's wild to me and uh it's a big milestone next up we have 20,000 listens um but yeah thanks so much anyway bit of an update on me I guess because obviously I didn't talk about myself in last week's episode with Georgie um so I'm finally done dieting (laughs) Um, I say finally as if it wasn't just 13 weeks which isn't really that long considering I did a fucking 31 week prep last year but it felt long just because like you know I was just carrying still like diet fatigue I think from prep and yeah I think I'm just still a bit like no can't be fucked restricting myself um I like food um obviously it was a needs must kind of thing I needed to get into a good body body composition so that I could start this kind of you know wellness off-season building phase but yeah it's just been nice nice to finish up so obviously I I kind of finished like not two weeks ago but like 10 days ago so on the Tuesday Tuesday last week and so I started a deload that day and um Christian was like okay we're gonna do like a a kind of five days off and five days of a little bit higher food which I was so happy about because I was like bro I'm not doing five days of 50 carb because that was my rest day calories I mean not just 50 carb obviously I also had some protein and fats in there but it was it was it was shit (laughs) not not shit but it was low and I was like here I don't want to do fucking five days in a row where I'm bored not not in the gym and eating 1100 calories so can I have a little bit more food and he was like oh yeah I was planning on doing that anyway um so that was nice like I said before that's the first time I've ever told a coach like I'm not I'm not keeping my calories where they're at or like I'm not doing the hard thing like I'm the kind of person who will literally just do whatever I'll be like put me on zero carb if you have to but when you're not in a prep and you don't have that motivation of the stage it's just like why the fuck would I suffer kind of thing um and I was lean enough so yeah it was good um I think I got 175 grams of carbs which like probably doesn't sound like that much but that was three and a half times what I was having before on rest day so it felt amazing um it's nice to not 
it was nice to not go to bed like fucking starving as well um I will say though I have definitely been quite hungry the last couple of days just because I think my body is just like fucking ready for ready for food um so in total over the diet I think I lost like 21 to 22 pounds which was pretty good over 13 weeks um got a lot leaner as well obviously going from kind of being natty to not natty so potentially built a little bit of muscle as well I would hope so it felt like I did um so maybe a little bit more than 21 pounds of fat loss but I mean look there's no way of knowing that unless I'd gotten a DEXA scan and I didn't do that so we will just say 21 pounds um and now I'm back into my build so my food's gone up it's not up crazy high I think on a training day it's like 225 grams of carbs and then 150 on a rest day now and um, but still that feels like more <laughs> compared to what I was on before um I, I like I've been on like 500 carb before and I'm like how did I do that I can't remember so um I'm kind of hoping it doesn't get that high although we shall see uh, but yeah aside from that I'm just excited to have a bit more flexibility now I got some Starbucks coconut milk lattes over last week which I won't have those when I'm dieting because I do have like 200 calories but those are the sort of things that if I'm in a build phase like I'll just have them and I don't track them. <laughs> Sue me, but I just enjoy them a lot. So I'll get I'll get the odd one, a little treat. Um, I also can't wait to go for dinner this weekend. I'm going out for dim sum, which Asian food is like my vibe. Bury me in chicken gyozas. Thank you so much. Barbecue pork buns. Oh, stunning. So yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm also going to go and see Oppenheimer, which like I can't wait. But why is it three hours long? Like I... I think I'm gonna struggle but we'll see we'll see I've heard it's amazing but like I just I don't know if my fucking brain can pay attention to something like I've been so tiktokified like I can only do fucking 30 second videos so we shall see but um aside from that I am excited to grow excited to see what kind of progress I make over these next few months now that I'm obviously you know not natty it's uh it's cool you know like obviously as somebody who has like been a bodybuilder for so long it's interesting to kind of sit and wait and see what happens um with kind of you know a little bit of extra help now in the in the muscle building realm so yeah I'm excited I can't wait um and yeah just excited to be strong and training hard and all that good stuff um aside from that not much else to update I was in Buffalo at the weekend uh, Buffalo New York I was there for Shane Shane's powerlifting competition it was actually his first one he's done since prep and he came second and he PB'd um so that's a good one he did pulled like I think it was like a 705 total um so yeah he's very strong so that's cool um more importantly did a big grocery shop while I was in America um and I stocked up on like cereals and energy drinks as well because obviously we drove there because it's like it's like an hour across the border from where we live um so I bought like (laughs) I think I bought like 18 boxes of cereal I bought 13 boxes of Cocoa Pops guys they don't sell Cocoa Pops in America no sorry in Canada they don't sell Cocoa Pops here like what the fuck like absolute like just it's it's so sad so I was like I need to get Cocoa Pops for when I'm eating more cereal post-workout and then also in Canada there's a law so you can only have 180 milligrams of caffeine in energy drinks which is pathetic vibes so we got loads of like energy drinks like the prime energy drinks got some of the cans of the strawberry monster which I really like some of the ghost energy drinks as well so they all have like 200 250 milligrams of uh, uh, caffeine so that's a little bit more a bit of me um but yeah I love I love going into the American grocery stores like we were in uh, Wegmans and like they just have so much stuff like I just walk around for hours like this is so fun um I'll never forget the first time 
time I went into an American grocery store, which was when I was in Vegas. We it was our first morning. We had landed. Obviously, I was like whatever fucking three days out from my show, and I was so jet lagged. And we were walking around Vegas. I was starving. And when you're in that mode where you're just so hungry, everything just looks like so much more colourful and enticing. And I just remember walking around, I think we were in an Albertsons and I was like, what the fuck is going on? It was like in the morning, we'd just gone on an hour long walk and I was dragging ass, but like, oh my God, I just remember thinking there's like 40 types of barbecue sauce here. Like what? And like 40 types of Oreos. It's just so excessive, but I love it. Um, But yeah, that's that's where I get my fun is going to American grocery stores. Um, next time I would go to Buffalo because actually Buffalo is surprisingly nice. We've driven through it once before on the way to the Arnolds and I thought it was the most disgusting city ever. But we obviously just drove through a not nice part. But we drove where we were staying this time. It was gorgeous. The houses are really nice. Um, but there's a Primark in Buffalo. So I was hoping to go, but we didn't get there until so late on Friday. And then we just left straight after the comp on Saturday. So I want to go to Buffalo and go to Primark. <laughs> Anyway, so that's, that's it. That's me. That's my update. We love Cocoa Pops. I want to go to Primark. I'm about to get massive. Cool. So aside from that, Busy Bee, I'm very grateful for it, of course. It's been a busy week with business. Um, lots of new girls joining the team, um, uh, which is always very, very fun. Um, August is looking to be a fun month. August is also my birth month, guys. So I hope you're all ready to send me lots of birthday wishes. <laughs> Jokes. Uh, but I'm also working on something very exciting, <laughs> which I'm hopefully launching in September. So keep your eyes peeled for that is all I'll say. I know it's really annoying when people are like, I'm working on something and I can't tell you what it is, but I'm going to be that person right now. But let's just say if you're wanting to get wham this winter, just keep an eye out. Okay. Um, but yeah, aside from that, next few months are looking busy as fuck. I'm going to my brother's wedding in Montreal in two weeks. His first wedding. He's having two weddings. Same girl, same fiance. One in Montreal, one in Dublin because she's from Montreal. So that's in two weeks. Then I'm going home to Ireland for that wedding and also a few client photo shoots. And then October, I'm not doing anything, I don't think. But then in November, I'm going to the Olympia. I'm also going to go to WMBF World. And then we've just booked New York, New York for the second time for December, which I'm so excited about because I've always wanted to go to New York at Christmas time. So I think we're going the first week of December. Um, it's my birthday present from Shane and I cannot wait. It's going to be a manic end the year like literally something on every month but I'm so excited and yeah then that's gonna be 2024 oh my god time is going so fast so fast anyway that's enough about me um today I actually want to talk about one of my favorite topics which is training and building muscle Okay, so one of my most listened to episodes, and this makes me so, so happy, is episode three, and that is Gaining Phases 101. So obviously, a lot of you guys are interested in the topic of building muscle, and I love that because building muscle is the best fucking thing ever, guys, okay? And if you want to know why it's the best thing ever, I would highly advise going back and listening to episode two, where I talk about all the reasons that we should be training and building muscle aside from just looking you know jacked and sexy which like obviously there's not a bad side effect but it's not the only reason we should be doing it there's loads of reasons it's so so important for our health and our longevity so go and listen to that episode and go and listen to episode three if you want I mean look if you're, if you're only dipping into this now or in the last few weeks go back go back to the start go back to the start there's some good episodes um but you know specifically today I'm actually going to talk about 
what actually builds muscle on like a physiological process on like a physiological process on a physiological level um, and how that whole process works because I'm very much a firm believer that if you understand how things work um, especially when it comes to training and even with nutrition as well like I'm very big on education I think if you understand that and everything around it it's going to improve your training itself because you're going to know what you need to do within your sessions in order to actually grow so before I dive in to the episode as always if you're enjoying the podcast I would appreciate if you could give it a rating a review follow subscribe to the pod all those things um, as it really does help my show grow it means I can hopefully help even more people spread even more information about how amazing it is to get massive <laughs> um, jokes or information about how to live a healthy happy life um, but if you do want to share it on your stories as well and tag me of course on Instagram it's at emma.curvin I will love you forever basically so yeah also I'm adding a new segment to my podcast well I'm going to attempt to we'll see um it's going to rely on you the listener but basically I want to start doing like mini Q&A episodes um just like spread throughout the weeks um so they'll kind of be separate from like my bigger longer form episodes but basically I'm going to now leave a link in the description in the show notes of the episode with a link to a type form where you can submit any questions that you have for me so like you can ask me anything you can ask me anything like you can write out a scenario that you're struggling with and ask me for my advice it can be anything from training nutrition mindset like anything at all life business bodybuilding whatever and it's completely anonymous like you don't have to submit your email or your name or anything at all um please don't abuse me (laughs) please don't send me hate mails um no I'm joking I know nobody will because my listeners are the best but if you do want to have me talk about something then please submit it down below and I will just release those as like little short episodes throughout the week because my whole goal here is just to to help like that's all I want I love talking about fitness I love talking about health I love talking about training bodybuilding everything so any chance I get to talk about it even more I will do so and I just want to help and I want to provide value that's the whole point of the podcast so I'm gonna have that linked below now in every single episode so if you do have questions shoot them in and I will talk about it it can be like a little bit of a an agony ant thing if you want or just you can ask me anything like how do I I was about to say how do I build muscle as if that's not what this whole fucking episode's about but you know you know what I mean you you know the vibe okay so let's let's dive in let's get into the episode so this is going to be part one of two I think I think this episode I'm going to talk about like the actual process of like how our muscles grow um and especially the the training stimulus side of things and then in episode two I'm going to talk about the kind of recovery adaptation side of things so like your nutrition you know um, rest all that sort of stuff this episode is probably going to be quite information heavy um, and a little bit more complex so it might not be as long although who knows every time I say that it ends up being like a fucking hour-long episode but I'm gonna try and keep it on the basic side because this is a really complex subject and like you could spend hours weeks months researching like muscle physiology muscular hypertrophy but I'm going to try and break it down into what I think you need to know and what you need to understand in order to improve your training. So I'm probably going to bastardize a lot of terms. There's going to be people listening to this who maybe do have a really advanced in-depth knowledge of training and they're going to be like, I can't believe she just said that. But um, hopefully what I do say makes sense and it just gives you a bit of a better insight into like building muscle, muscle hypertrophy and all that sort of stuff. So I think the first thing I just want to discuss is 
muscle physiology, you know, because that's going to be important to, to understand. It's like, okay, we're trying to build this tissue. Okay, but what is it and how does it actually work? So this is going to be hard to do without a diagram. I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Okay, so stick with me, guys. Strap in. We got this. So what we can kind of think as, you know, individual, or like we can think of muscle, like the, the, the tissue, skeletal muscle, as existing as a kind of a hierarchy so we have like the entire muscle group and then that goes all the way down to like the individual components of individual muscle cells so the way I almost like to think about that is is like a Russian doll so that's sort of what I want you to imagine as we're going through this is like I'm going to start with the big Russian doll and that's like the the you know those like dolls that you put inside each other you know what a Russian doll is the biggest one and that's like your muscle groups or just even like your body and then with every smaller one we're breaking it down into the next level the next level the next level all the way down to the individual fibrous components, sarcomeres, actin, myosin, all that sort of stuff. Okay, so stick with me, guys. I'm gonna use the qu- I'm gonna use as an example. So I'm gonna use the quads as an example. Okay, so let's let's look at your quads, your little your little your thighs. So if we were to take the entire quad muscle group, that's made up of four individual muscles. Okay, so you've got your rectus femor- rectus femoris, rectum, your vastus lateralis, your vastus medialis, and your vastus intermedius. N- none of these are important. Just just know that there's four individual muscles within that muscle. Say with like a bicep, your biceps is actually two muscles, you know? So again, by triceps, three, three muscles. Try. Wow. Groundbreaking. But each individual muscle then, so that's like your biggest Russian doll. So now we're taking out the next Russian doll. Each individual muscle that is there is made up of lots of different muscle fibers as well as things like blood vessels nerves connective tissues all that sort of stuff these are enclosed within a fascia which is basically just like a sack that's a terrible way to explain it and I know people probably are listening to this cringing but that's how I'm thinking about it the analogy I kind of like to think of here is like if you were to look at a rope right a rope isn't just like one singular thing a rope is made up of like all these smaller ropes and those smaller ropes are made up of individual threads and they're all threaded together um and it's kind of like that it's like the the big muscle is made up of like hundreds thousand millions of these like individual threads so to speak and that's kind of what i want you to think about we're going from big whole big rope big rope whole rope jesus she's not like it's we're not we're not doing good it's not looking good bruv okay rope threads think about that that's kind of what we're imagining here so You've got your muscle fibers. These are then grouped into fascicles. Fascicles? Fascicles. Fascicles? Fuck knows. Fascicles are then surrounded by a layer of connective tissue, which we call the perimysum. I don't think any of this is important, but I think it's good to to just kind of briefly go over it. And these just protect and organize those muscle fibers within the muscle. So instead of all these kind of muscle fibers just like intermingling, intermingling within the one big muscle, they're organized, they're defined into little groups. Okay, then we can look at the muscle fibers themselves. So these are essentially like the building blocks of muscle. So muscle fiber is this like long cylindrical cell. It runs along the length of the muscle. So this is different to like a normal cell that maybe you would have learned about in school. That's more like a blob or a circle. Side note, the day I realized that cells are not 2D and that they're actually like a bubble it blew my mind and I have a fucking first class honors degree in biochemistry and I still think of cells as being this like flat 2D thing 
<laughs> they're not. Anyway, uh, but muscle fibers are quite unique, okay, because they are multinucleated, which basically means they have loads of nuclei in them. So the nucleus is basically the information hub of the cell. It contains the DNA, which is the kind of code for the RNA, which goes for proteins, which makes up the cell. Okay, so in most cells, you've got one nucleus. But in muscle cells, in muscle fibers, there's multiple nuclei. And actually, as we grow, we, as as a muscle grows, you populate it with more and more nuclei. But that's kind of, that's a side note. And that's something that I think you need to know right now. Anyway, so we've got the muscle fiber. So now we're moving into the next Russian doll, so to speak. So we're, we're about three Russian dolls in now. I hope you're still with me. But inside the muscle fiber... If we break that down even further, we have what we call myofibrils. And these are like those individual threads in the rope, okay? These are the long structures that are going to cause your muscle to actually contract. So these myofibrils are basically made up of these repeating units end to end. They're arranged all in a row. And these are what we call sarcomeres. So a sarcomere is the quote-unquote contractile unit of muscle okay these are the things that basically cause your muscle to contract so when we think about say like flexing our bicep our sarcomeres are just getting shorter this is what's causing that movement so now we get it down to the next level which is kind of the the smallest level that I think we need to talk about sarcomeres are made up of these two proteins called actin and myosin okay i don't think you need to know too much about these two proteins and how they work i could talk about it but i think it's just it's not really necessary for understanding like training and resistance training um, and like how we build muscle but just know that these two proteins actin and myosin they basically slide over each other and this is what makes those sarcomeres short Okay, this is what causes those myofibrils to contract. And when all the myofibrils contract, that's your muscle fiber contracting. This is your muscle moving. It's shortening. It's kind of flexing. Okay, so when a muscle contracts, these sarcomeres, they all pull together and they kind of shorten up. And when it relaxes, they pull apart. So the way I like to imagine this and the way I'll usually demonstrate this to people is imagine you have your fingers kind of laced together and you have it so that you're kind of finger nails are all in a line from from both your hands if you were to like pull your hands and your fingers closer together so that your kind of fingernails start reaching down towards the base of your fingers <laughs> I hope I'm making sense here really hard to do this without like a video but I refuse to do video because it's 6am in the morning and I look like crap um jokes I look amazing I look amazing when I wake up anyway jokes I'm getting distracted but as your fingers are kind of pulling and moving towards each other that would be like your muscle shortening and then as they pull back apart that would be your muscle lengthening. This is a very dumbed down explanation okay but I hope you are still with me okay. I hope you're still understanding how these muscles and how our muscle fibers contract in order to then produce movement at like the whole muscle group level okay. So obviously these muscles don't just move by themselves They don't just decide to contract and shorten, you know, randomly. And this is obviously where the nervous system comes in. Okay, so if we were to look at muscle fibers, they are innervated or controlled by motor neurons. Okay, motor neurons are just nerve cells. Okay, they are just nerve cells coming from our nervous system, fucking obviously. Um, and they come out and they, they, they innervate these muscle fibers. This is what we call a motor unit. So motor unit is just 
the the muscle fiber and then the motor neuron that's innervating it or controlling it telling it what to do okay so these motor neurons are specialized nerve cells they they originate in the spinal cord and then they extend all the way out to like the edge of your body so if you've ever seen a diagram of like the nervous system where it's like you can kind of see the spinal cord and all those different um, nerve cells coming out that's kind of what we're talking about here okay each like i said each muscle so each muscle fiber is innervated by just one motor neuron so only one motor neuron is telling every single muscle fiber what to do obviously because if you had multiple motor neurons innervating one muscle fiber it wouldn't know what the fuck to do so it just has one telling it what to do but one motor neuron can actually control multiple muscle fibers usually within like within proximity to each other okay so the size of these motor motor units is going to vary Uh, depending on the muscle itself and how precise that muscle needs to be okay so for example your your eye muscles or the muscles in your hand okay they need to do very fine movements you know Um, and so what we would say see there is like one motor neuron is going to control you know a very few very small number of muscle fibers because they need to move differently if that makes sense, you know, like if you're looking at your hand, like you can move one finger and you can move the other finger, you can move the other finger. If all the motor, if all those muscle fibers were innervated by the same motor neuron, they'd all move together. You wouldn't be able to distinguish the movement there. In contrast to that, big muscles, think about your quads. Okay. They have large motor units. So there's one motor neuron controlling loads of muscle fibers because they, they need to all contract together. They need to all move together. So when we think about using our muscles, like I'm not talking about just for training, but like literally any movement so like picking up your phone or petting a dog or like scratching your ear like these this is basically motor unit recruitment so this is the process of the nervous system kind of activating those muscle fibers to generate muscle contraction so it's basically like the brain the brain is telling your muscle cells listen buddy like we gotta we gotta move we have a job to do you know and this is subconscious like and I always found this so interesting growing up I'd be like how like I'd like look at my hand and I'd be like I know I want it to move but how is my brain telling it to move I think it's so it is it is so interesting because it is for most for most of us most of our movement is completely subconscious obviously we can make movement conscious and that's usually what's happening within our resistance training we are making that movement very conscious and, and precise but for for the majority of the movement that we do day to day it's unconscious or subconscious um but think like now something like really important to to understand about that motor unit recruitment so the process of your brain going yo i need to move sending that signal through the kind of like motor motor nerve cells out to the muscle fibers and this kind of whole process of contracting muscle so something to understand about this is like our body will always use the path of least resistance okay so think about it like this it, it it takes energy to do this, you know, recruiting motor units and then contracting all those muscle cells. It's a very energy costly process. So it depends on ATP. ATP is essentially the energy currency of the cell, which if you've done, ever done basic science um, or biology, you've probably heard that phrase before. So our body is going to do what it can to preserve that energy. It doesn't want to just waste energy. You know, it wants to preserve it as much as possible. So whenever our brain sends our sends a signal to a muscle that some movement needs to occur. So say you're like thinking, okay, I need to go and like pick up my phone. It's going to try to recruit the least amount of muscle fibers possible to do this. Okay. It makes sense. Cause like, if I'm going to go and pick up my phone, 
I don't need to contract every single muscle fiber in my hand to the max degree to do that, you know, or even in my bicep. I don't need to do that. It would be such a waste of energy. I'd break my phone and it's just not necessary. And this goes for every, every movement that we do, even your training. So when this is what we call the size principle. So we will begin by recruiting smaller or like more fatigue resistant muscle fibers. And then we will move to recruiting the bigger, larger muscle fibers. So when we start, like now I'm going to kind of talk about like training, but like when we start lifting a weight, our body, like I said, it's going to recruit the least amount of motor units possible. And this usually means that we recruit what we call our smaller type one muscle fibers. Again, I'm not going to go too much into like fiber type physiology and stuff like that. If you want to learn more about that, you can go and do that. I don't think it's necessary for what we're doing here. But, you know, it's going to use the smaller muscle fibers because those require a little bit less energy. Then if the weight gets heavier or if we keep going um, and our brain realizes, oh shit, okay, these little small type one muscle fibers ain't going to cut it. I need more, more reinforcements here to keep going. It's going to call on what we call the type 2A motor units. And if we keep lifting the weight and we keep going and we, we, we get to the point that we need to recruit our kind of largest, most powerful, um, biggest muscles, we're going to recruit the type 2X motor units. Okay, so our body recruits the kind of motor units oh my god sorry if you can hear my aircon just came on um but our body recruits in this order so that it can be very refined and precise with the force that it's producing and the types of contractions that are occurring so that it matches what we're doing again it's like if i'm going to say i was going to like pick up an egg (laughs) I don't know why I'm thinking of that. But if I was going to pick up an egg, it doesn't make sense for me to go and fucking smash the thing in my hand. The egg is going to crack, okay? So I'm going to pick it up lightly. I'm thinking about, how, does anybody remember when we used to put eggs in Labrador's mouths <laughs> to see if they would be very light with them? Um. Anyway, that's such an aside. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's like, okay, if we need to be gentle, then we need small, gentle, refined contractions. If we need to do something hard and heavy, we need more kind of forceful, explosive contractions. Okay. So it's kind of that. And I suppose a cool thing about resistance training is that it can actually influence how efficiently we recruit these motor units and our ability to recruit, um, this sort of higher threshold motor units. Um, and this is going to help us improve our strength and our endurance and our general performance. And then, you know, what happens we can start to grow in a more kind of efficient manner. Okay. So I think a, a lot of what I'm going to say here is like resistance training is a skill and that skill is down to your ability to recruit these muscle fibers effectively to match the exercise that you are doing. Okay. And that is why it is a skill. And that is why it is something that you have to repeat again and again and again. That's why you shouldn't be changing your exercises all the time or doing different workouts all the time. It is a skill to learn how to contract specific muscle fibers well. That is a skill, okay? So now we kind of understand a little bit more about muscles and how they actually function to carry out movement. You know a little bit about how muscle fibers are recruited. You know a bit about how they're kind of contracting to lift the load. So as we're recruiting them, they're contracting to lift the load. So now I want you to take that concept and let's go to the gym, okay? So let's go, come on, get your bag on. We're going to the gym, okay, girly? Strap in. So now I want you to imagine how this works. Thank you for that sorry for the notification so sound notification signed um <laughs> now we're gonna use okay i'm gonna sorry i'm getting all distracted gonna use the example of the bicep okay because i think this is an easy one to imagine everybody knows what it looks like to flex your bicep okay so 
I want you to imagine you're kind of contracting your bicep and doing bicep curls. I don't care what kind of bicep curls you're doing. I don't care if you're doing hammer curls. I don't care if you're doing them with a dumbbell, a barbell, a fucking cable. I don't give a shit. Just imagine you are contracting your bicep up and down. You're lifting the weight up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay. So as you're doing this, those fibers are contracting to produce force. Okay, they are producing force and they are being exposed to what we call mechanical tension from the weight of the dumbbell. Okay, so fibers producing force being exposed to tension by what we're using. So remember those first few reps, remember the principle of of the kind of path of least resistance that I discussed. Your body for those first few reps is going to recruit the least amount of motor units and muscle fibers it needs in order to get the weight up. Okay. So first few reps, like, you know, a few, few, few muscle fibers are doing the work, the, the least amount that we can get away with. The longer we keep kind of contracting, flexing, bringing the weight up, lift, letting the weight go back down, bring it back up, coming back down, the more fatigued those initial motor units and fibers are going to get so then your body has to recruit more and more fibers of the bicep muscle to the point that every single one of those motor units has been recruited and all of those muscle fibers are being exposed to mechanical tension okay tension 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 we want to remember that when we are trying to grow we are trying to expose all of our fibers to mechanical tension as they move under load okay eventually all of those fibers are going to be fatigued okay this is where if you're kind of lifting that um we're going to use the example of a dumbbell up and down up and down up and down eventually those reps are going to start slowing down like you are going to be slowing getting slower and slower and slower eventually if you keep going you're going to reach the point that you literally those muscle fibers those sarcomeres cannot produce any more contractions okay all the atp is gone they've all been recruited job done this is what we would call muscular failure more specifically momentary muscular failure but we're going to call it muscular failure this is essentially what resistance training is okay you are moving your muscle through its range of motion you know, from uh, from a lengthened to a shortened range or from a shortened range to a lengthened range through its mid-range, through its range of motion, contracting it, lengthening it and exposing it to tension from some sort of implement as you do so. So that could be a barbell, a dumbbell, a cable, a machine. It doesn't really matter, but you are exposing those muscle fibers to tension from whatever it is you're using as you move the muscle through its range of motion, Okay. And the goal is that we do this with enough resistance or load that our muscle recruits more and more motor neurons and muscle fibers close to or completely up to, depending, the point of muscular failure. That is what resistance training is in a a nutshell um, with the goal of, of stimulating muscle hypertrophy. Okay, so the main thing I want you to keep in mind when you are training any muscle is that we are simply trying to expose all of those fibers to tension close to or up to the point of failure. That's what it is. That's what resistance training is when our goal is muscle hypertrophy, okay? Now, obviously, if your goal is strength, it's a bit different, um, but our goal is muscle hypertrophy, okay? So at this point, I really want to highlight like why training with good form and execution is so fucking important. Aside from just like safety and not hurting yourself, not injuring yourself, 
if we are doing a set and we're trying to expose all those kind of the fibers of that target muscle so say we're talking about your your glutes or your quads or your hamstrings we want to expose all of the fibers of that muscle to tension we want to keep that tension on the muscle the entire time but remember your body is really efficient and it is going to try to find ways to make it easier what does this mean or what does this look like this means like reducing your range of motion it means like using momentum using bounce at the bottom of your reps rushing your reps okay shifting tension away from the muscle fibers onto other structures like your joints or your ligaments or other muscle groups you know for example you're trying to keep tension on your glutes but then your quads take over because your your body doesn't want to expose all of the fibers of your glutes to tension when it thinks hey well your quads are there they can help you know um now again are you ever going to be able to completely isolate a muscle probably not but learning how to train with good form will mean that you learn how to keep as much tension as possible on the muscle so that that muscle is the limiting factor of of a set that's kind of the goal so keep that tension on the muscle throughout the entire set and this is a skill if you walk into the gym for the first time there is no chance you're going to be able to do this okay this takes years to develop to develop it is difficult okay it's hard it's a skill you are trying to teach your nervous system how to very specifically recruit the muscle fibers that you are trying to target so my biggest tip and this is why I'm so big on my clients filming their sets and sending them to me but even if you don't have a coach film your sets okay watch yourself watch how you're training you know be very critical am I rushing am I using momentum am I bouncing am I reducing the range of motion you know am I am I doing a half squat instead of a full squat which means you're you're exposing less fibers to tension okay like these are all things to to critique within your own training and just pay attention as well during your sets like I cannot explain how important it is to actually focus when you're doing your sets if you're doing your sets and you're thinking about what you're having for dinner later or if he didn't text you back like you're not you're not getting the most out of those sets okay you have to really work on developing that kind of mind muscle connection so that you can focus on keeping that tension on the muscle now obviously this is going to be exercise specific like if you're doing something like a fucking barbell back squat you're probably not going to be able to focus completely on exposing all the fibers to tension you're just kind of focusing on doing good reps and getting the weight up but if you're doing kind of more isolation-y based movements you know your leg extensions your your hip thrusts your your lateral raises stuff like that you really want to be working on on developing that mind muscle connection and again this takes time I've noticed especially with with clients is like people who have a sporting background tend to pick this up quite quickly because they're very in tune with their body people who have never played sports or kind of done things with their body if that makes sense they find this difficult but it is again a skill that you can develop the more you do it the better you get the more efficient your nervous system gets um but that's just something to really focus on is like good form and like I see this debate all the time which matters more is it intensity you know how close I'm getting to failure or is it my execution and it's a fucking stupid debate okay they both matter you can't pick one or the other they are both crucial for building muscle properly if you have shit form Uh, but you're training everything to failure one you're probably going to injure yourself but two you're not exposing the actual muscle fibers you want to expose to to tension to tension I think I fucked that sentence up but you know what I mean um whereas if you're training with perfect form and it's immaculate but you're 20 reps shy of failure you're not going to be stimulating muscle growth you know because you're so far away from muscular failure so you need both you need to train with good form and good intensity okay and that is a skill and again I'm gonna I'm gonna labor this point lifting weights is a skill if you go into the gym and you feel like 
awkward or unsure of exercises that's fucking normal because you're a beginner it takes time and like this is like these are the types of skills that you're constantly refining them like with every year that I train I think I get better because I'm learning more I'm getting more in tune with my body I'm picking up knowledge from other people around me I'm you know I'm I'm just I'm getting better at it my nervous system is getting better at it okay so this is something that you will constantly be working on there is no there will never be a perfect set (laughs) you will never do a perfect set there will always be something that could have been better I guarantee you And like, I am always like, I film everything that I do, not like, yeah, sometimes I post on social media, but it's more so I'm filming that for me so that when I finish my set, I can watch it back and I immediately can see, okay, maybe I had another rep there, or maybe I rushed those last few reps. Maybe I need to be a bit more intentional with my, um, with my eccentric phase. Maybe I'm bouncing at the bottom, you know, like these are skills that are always going to be worked on. And that's so exciting. Like this is a bit of an aside, but for me, like bodybuilding training, it's like, constant pursuit of self-improvement there is never a perfect end point I'm never going to get there and I love that there's always something to work on and that's exciting that's that's like the, the best thing about it you know and if that demotivates you you need to kind of work at developing a growth mindset you know it's really exciting that there's always there's always work to do there's always work to do and that's that's fucking cool okay because that means that the journey never ends anyway that's an aside but now I want to talk about um, effective reps. So this is kind of the the next point and this kind of ties in with like muscular failure. So the question could be like, okay, so are all reps created equally? You know, is, is every rep within my set going to stimulate muscle growth? And the answer is no. So we know from the research that what acts as a true signal for muscle growth is those last few reps before we reach the point of failure. So usually anything from around three to four reps before failure, all the way up to true muscular failure. So these are the reps that feel hard. They feel maybe painful. They're, they burn, okay? Feel the burn. That's what we're trying to feel. These are the reps that slow down involuntarily, okay? And that we have to struggle through. So for like, and this is where I'm always kind of assessing training footage from clients. It's like, if your last few reps look exactly the same as your first few reps, if they're the same speed and they're moving the exact same, you are not coming close to failure. They should be slowing down, okay? They should be slowing down without you doing it on purpose. They should just be slowing down because you can't lift the weight at the same cadence and speed, okay? And this really comes back to to an important point, okay? Your body does not want to change. It doesn't. Unfortunately, like it's actually not normal to walk around jacked and lean. So if we want to walk around (laughs) jacked and lean, we have to put in a lot of effort to do that, you know? Building muscle is costly. It's a very energy costly process. So if we want to grow, we're going to have to give our body a damn good reason to grow. Okay. Now I will caveat this at this point. Like if you're newer to training, most reps are going to stimulate growth because it's such a new stimulus for your body. But if you're more than a year or two into training, you know, you're kind of an intermediate, you know what you're doing. You're, this is where we need to consider, like really consider this concept of effective reps and how hard you are actually training. Because here's the thing, just going to the gym and doing what your program says, that's not enough. That doesn't mean that you're going to grow, okay? You actually have to push yourself and you actually have to work hard. And if you follow me on social media, you will see that I say this all of the time, okay? It's supposed to be challenging. It's supposed to be hard, okay? So these effective reps, so see, so these last kind of three or four reps before failure, These are a very potent stimulus for muscle growth, okay? When we expose our muscles to mechanical tension close to failure, 
we stimulate the process of muscle protein synthesis. So we essentially switch on the anabolic or muscle building signaling pathways in the body. Okay. For example, so to give you kind of a practical kind of example here, if we picked a weight and we got say 10 reps and we failed, we fail on 10, like we truly fail on rep 10 from about rep six or so onwards, they're quite stimulating for muscle growth. And they kind of get more and more stimulating the closer you get to failure. So reps nine and 10, they're going to be the most stimulatory. They're going to drive the greatest signal for muscle protein synthesis. These are essentially the reps that tell our muscle like, listen, bro, you're doing some fucking hard shit. You've never done this before. You might need to do this hard shit again in the future. So it's probably going to be a good idea to get bigger and stronger so that the next time you can handle it. That's what this is. That's what resistance training is. So we expose our muscle to the tension. It gets the message to grow. And then this is when we adapt. Okay, this is when we switch on those muscle protein synthesis pathways in our cells, um, provided we have supplied our body with amino acids and the correct nutrition, which I'm going to talk all about that in the next episode. I'm going to talk about the the adaptation process in the next episode. I want to focus this more on the stimulus. But this is when we this was then we would then this is when we would then fucking hell switch on those pathways in our cells. We go away from the session we rest, we recover, we repair, and ultimately we grow. So our muscle is exposed to a stressful stimulus, an express, a stressful challenge. It goes, shit, I better get bigger and grow so that if I'm exposed to this again, I can handle it, okay? So then we go into the gym again, okay? So say we, we've done that um, one week, we go into the, the gym again the next week, if in this in the second week we d- we did the exact same thing, so say we took that same weight same weight and we did the same reps, so we did it for ten reps again. That's actually going to be a little bit easier because we have now adapted. We are now capable of handling that. So, for example, like with the above example, say we use that weight and we went to ten. But in actuality, if we had kept going, we would have gotten 12. Then that means it's really only reps kind of 8, 9 and 10 that are effective rather than reps 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10. Does that make sense? So we haven't, we've gone two reps shy of failure. So there's quote, there's less effective reps being accrued there. So that's actually going to provide us with less of a stimulus. If we wanted to get the same amount of effective reps, we would need to push harder and go for that 12. And then it would be reps 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That would be as, you know, stimulatory for muscle protein synthesis as reps 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 before, okay? And this is basically the concept of progressive overload, which I'm sure everybody has heard of at this point. That's obviously like, like it... I'm not saying it works exactly like that, but I think sometimes it helps to like put numbers on it and give examples. And that's kind of how to conceptualize this. Okay. So progressive overload is essentially the idea that in order to continually stimulate muscle protein synthesis over time so that we keep growing, we need to expose our bodies to greater and greater challenges over time so that we are driving greater and greater amounts of tension to the muscle over time. Okay. I want to make this point very clear. Progressive overload doesn't build muscle. Progressive tension builds muscle, okay? I like to use the analogy of kind of like a car here. So more tension over time is the destination that we're, we're, we're working towards. Progressive overload is the vehicle that gets us there, okay? If we want to ensure that we are driving more and more tension over time, 
we can do that by progressively overloading. So how do we progressively overload? We add more weight, we add more reps, we add more sets. We can slow down the tempo. We can go a bit slower. We can improve our form. If we if we do a lift with better form one week to the next, we're actually going to be more accurate within that lift and we're going to drive more tension to the muscle within that lift, okay? But I think I just wanted to make that that point because like we essentially want to make sure over time we're challenging ourselves more and more and we can do that by being intentional with overloading but you don't necessarily need to progressively overload every single week okay you have to kind of remember this like your body doesn't know oh that's 10 kilos for 10 reps that she just did it just knows that it's been exposed to tension and that it's done a hard set hopefully close to failure so if you do a hard set to failure one week and then you do another hard set to failure the next week and it's the same weight in reps you're still going to be stimulating muscle protein synthesis it's not like your your muscle goes no this is what you did last week so I'm not going to grow at all okay and I say that because it's very easy to get carried away with progressive overload and just add weight and add reps and I say this because I have done this I've done this in the past it's like no I got 10 last week I'm getting 11 this week I don't care come hell or high water I'm adding like a rep and all that happens is my form went to shit okay like and this happens and I still do this like I I still get carried away sometimes and I'll have to kind of reset and critique myself and this is why it's important to film my sets that I film my sets so that I can see okay you you kind of rush that so maybe next week hold the load hold the reps and just aim to improve that form to improve the tension that you're driving to the muscle okay but like yes we want to make sure that over time we're progressively doing more so like you don't want to be doing the same weight and same reps for four or five weeks in a row. That's not a good thing. But if, if you know, for two, two weeks in a row, you do the same thing, that doesn't mean that you just haven't grown or built any muscle. Okay. Um, so again, this is where like, we really have to remember good form, good form, good form, high intensity. Okay. So you might be listening to this now and kind of thinking, okay, does this mean then that like, I have to train every set to failure? And to be honest, this is like a huge debate and there's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of podcast episodes about this that you could listen to. And like, I think usually people fall into one of two camps, the trained failure camp or the rest and reserve reps in reserve camp. Um, I don't like to think of myself as being in any camp. I think that there's a time and a place for both and it depends on the individual. It depends on their skill level. It depends on their preferences. Um, it depends on their experience. There's just so much to kind of think about. So when we think about training to failure, they're really is three types of failure that we are considering so the first level and these these we can kind of think of these as, as levels okay that we would kind of graduate through as we become more advanced within our training so the first level and this is usually where where beginners will fail is mental failure okay so this is this is basically where the rep starts to hurt or burn a little bit and they just stop okay they're like no I can't do it it's mental they're, like their mental their mental resilience just hasn't really been built um yet and so they hit they or they stop or and I say this all the time, someone's like, oh, look, my program says do a set of 10. So they pick away and they do 10 and they just stop because the paper says stop at 10. But they're still like four or five reps away from failure, you know? So again, like that's kind of mental failure. You're just stopping because you think you should stop. And that's kind of the, the first level. Once we've kind of overcome that, we, we might move on to mechanical failure. So this is basically where your form breaks down. Okay, so this is where maybe you can only uh, or like, you, you you might not be able to get full range of motion you might move into like partial reps you this is where you'll be displacing that tension so like say for example you're trying to do like 
I don't know, a glute exercise, but you're, you're, you hit mechanical failure and so you end up using your quads to get up the last rep. Or, um, for example, you're doing RDL, but that last rep, it's just your lower back working. Okay, that would be kind of mechanical failure. Um, and then once you've kind of developed the skill of being able to stay in the set and keep form good, that's when you will reach the point that you can work to momentary muscular failure. This is what I've discussed above. This is kind of your neuromuscular system, like not being able to produce any more force. So like I said, we can kind of think of these as levels that we kind of graduate through the more advanced we become as as, as we train. So beginners will fail men- mentally. You're, if you're an intermediate, you might fail a bit more kind of technically or mechanically. And when your nervous system becomes really proficient at lifting, this is when you're going to be able to take those sets to momentary failure. And like, this is why it's important not to switch up your program all of the time and to stick with exercises for a long time. Because the first time you do an exercise, you might fail it mentally. The second or third time, you might fail it mechanically because your your um, your form isn't there. And it might take you a few weeks to get to the point where you can actually stay in the set, keep your head on and take that set to muscular failure. And then you can just do that again and again and again for weeks and months on end. Oh my God, sorry. <coughs> my, uh, my throat just got like a little bit closed up. Disgusting. Anyway, um, so yes, think what I was saying there is don't switch up your exercises. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So don't switch up your exercises, basically do them for as long as you can, get proficient at them, learn how to take those sets close to failure. So as a beginner, like I kind of said earlier, you don't need to train close to failure to get a stimulus. Like if you're brand new to resistance training, it's such a novel stimulus, you're going to grow like regardless. But the more advanced you get, you're going to have to train closer and closer to failure. Now, do you need to train all the way to failure all the time? No. But we always want to be within at least three to four reps shy of failure. And realistically, most people are not even getting close to this. Like there is studies kind of demonstrating that people are terrible at gauging how close they are to failure. So like, for example, they'll take um, a group of people, they'll ask them to select a weight that they think that they will fail on rep 10 with. They'll get them, they'll, they'll get them to do it and they'll usually fail at rep 10. Then what they'll do is they'll get them to rest and then they'll get them to do it again but they'll have researchers and kind of people around them basically screaming and shouting at them to keep going. And people have been shown to, with a weight that they thought that they would fail at 10, be able to get like 20 or 25 reps, which means they're training 15 reps in reserve, okay? Like people are not good at gauging this. And like, yes, you can of course train with kind of a reps in reserve approach. You know, you can go to two to three reps in reserve, you know, but if you are going to do this, you have to know what failure feels like in the first place. Like, how are you supposed to know that something is three reps shy of failure if you've never experienced failure? You know, like you have to have something to kind of compare it to. And like, I honestly think that most people, when they think they're training to failure, they're actually not training to failure. They're, they're training to about two to three reps in reserve anyway. Um, like very few people. And like, like I say, like, I'm probably like that. Like, I think I'm training to failure. And like, sometimes I probably do have one or two reps in the tank, you know, like it's, it's hard to do this, but this is where we kind of have to think about like your, your volume and your intensity. So like, if you train all the way to failure on every single set, you're probably going to need less sets to accumulate the same amount of effective reps. So for example, if you do two sets to all out failure, then those kind of last, say four reps are effective reps. Again, I'm not saying that it's only the last four that are effective, but I'm just, just to put numbers on it. That means you've accumulated eight effective reps. So say you are now training to two reps in reserve. That would mean that the last two reps are 
effective. So to get the same amount of effective reps, you need to do four sets. Okay. So to accumulate the same amount of effective reps, you might need to do more volume. Now, training to failure is fatiguing. Okay. It's very, very difficult and it's hard. It's not for everybody. Okay. I know that. And it's definitely a personal preference thing. And it's a personality thing as well. Like some people are just like that. Like I'm like that. Okay. Like I love it. I love doing a set and knowing like I've left nothing there I love bottoming out on the hack squat or not getting another rep on a shoulder press or like failing like I love that but not everybody does like I I can't do reps in reserve and that's because (laughs) my toxic trait is thinking I always have one more like I remember when I was uh like during prep say like my last kind of few sessions it was always like okay do like two reps in the tank and I'd be like okay and I'd go in and I'd be doing the set and I'd be like I think this is two reps in the tank I better try and do two more just to check like do you know what I mean like that's kind of my mentality and like it causes me more stress and like I don't like being in a set and thinking having to think too much about like is this two reps shy of failure is this three reps shy of failure I don't like that I would rather just go in and be like I'm just going to do everything I can here and leave nothing on the table but that's just my personality okay not everybody's like that I'm very type a I'm very kind of just like obsessive so I like that but not everybody does but if you do want to kind of experiment with training to failure here are a few kind of recommendations of how you can start implementing that within your own training. So first things first is do it on a safe machine, okay? Something with a fixed path. Don't do it on something like a barbell back squat or a deadlift. Like you could potentially injure yourself. So just be smart. Like I won't even, I don't deadlift to failure. Like that's stupid. I'm not gonna, like that's, no, silly because I would just hurt myself. But safe machines. So things like ro- like rows, lat pull downs, shoulder presses, leg extensions, leg curls. If you've got a glute drive or even a hip thrust, something that's safe because all that's gonna happen is you, if you fail is that you just won't get another rep and that's okay. What I would say is do it on your last set of an exercise. And if you're only kind of starting this, I would do it in sets that are later in the workout because they can drive a lot of fatigue. And if you do your first first set of failure, you might find then that your subsequent sets suffer a little bit if you're new to this. So you kind of want to build it up. You know, you might do one to two sets to failure your first time trying. Then you might do two to three, three to four. And then maybe you'll do your last two sets. And then maybe you'll start doing all your sets to failure on your isolation movements. And it's just about building up that kind of tolerance to failure training. So how do you do it? Like, this is it, right? It's very fucking simple. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just pick a weight and just go. Just go and just go. Like, it doesn't matter if you think you're about to stop. If you think you're about to fail, just go for another one. Just see what happens. If you need, I would get a spotter and have somebody there who's just going to scream at you to keep going and not let you stop. Like, that helps a lot, okay? But just keep going. You might be surprised at how far from failure you have been training, okay? And that's okay. That's a good thing because it just means that there's new fucking levels to be unlocked within your training and more growth to come. So at the end of the day, and I will, again, this is a hill I'm going to die on. You can get this tattooed in my head. Your training should be hard. Hard, girlies, okay? Your body doesn't want to grow. So we have to give it a reason to grow okay, it's going to hurt. You might go into sessions nervous about what you need to do. You might get a bit psyched out before your sets. That's okay. That's how we grow. I'm not saying you need to dread your sessions and hate them. Like, I love that feeling. I love I love the feeling of going in and being like, I have no idea how I'm going to lift this weight and then fucking doing it anyway. That is the best feeling ever. But you have to remember, like, you need to continually be pushing yourself. Like, your your training should never start to feel easier. If your training starts to feel easier, you're not working hard enough, 
Okay, it should always be challenging. Every time you hit a PB, it's going to feel tough. The first time I deadlifted 100 kilos, it felt just as hard as the first time I deadlifted 140 kilos because that was my max. That was the most that I could do, you know? So it's always going to feel hard. It's always going to feel challenging. And hard is relative. It's relative, it's relative to you. And this is why don't, don't compare what you're lifting to somebody, what somebody else is lifting. If you're doing a set failure or close to failure, you're doing a set close to failure. It doesn't matter what the fucking weight is, Okay. So now I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> oh my God, sorry. I don't know why I'm all like, uh, I've got like a little tickle in my throat. I swear if this bitch is getting sick. Oh my God. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to wrap up this episode because I'm here an hour now. and I, I, I hope that you're still with me. I hope you made it through the first bit because the bit about muscle physiology was hard. But I'm going to wrap this up just quickly touching on kind of two important training principles. And that's basically your, just your volume and your frequency. Okay, so these are important um, when it comes to like building an effective training program, which I could do an episode on that, like how to actually build an effective training program. If you want it, let me know. But when I talk about volume, I basically mean the number of hard sets close to failure. Now, people will define this different some people will define it as like number of sets by reps by weight so like it could be like a thousand kilos of volume I just think that gets a bit complicated I would rather just think about it as number of hard sets close to failure so not your warm-up sets like none of those just your hard sets so from the research we know about eight to 20 sets a week per muscle group is going to drive growth. Now, this is very individual dependent, okay? It depends on so many factors. And I'm going to discuss some of those factors in part two, but that's usually, but usually like we want to start with less, see how we go. And then if we need to add more, we can add more. So there is a bit of a dose response curve, whereas like if you do more sets, you'll grow more, but to a point, okay, more is not always better. There is a law of diminishing returns here. So if you do too much volume, say you're like, I want to grow my glutes. I'm going to do 40 sets a week you are probably not going to grow as well as if you did 15 sets a week, okay? And that's because the quality of those sets is going to diminish and you are not going to recover from them properly, which means the next time you go into the gym, your performance might get worse, okay? So you're not actually going to be able to progressively overload. You're not going to be able to expose those muscle fibers to more tension because you're just going to be so fucked and fatigued and then you're going to make less gains. So there is a sweet spot when it comes to volume. So we, we can look at the minimum effective volume, which is the minimum amount of sets you need to grow. And then there's the max recoverable volume. So this is the maximum amount of sets that you can recover from and still grow. If you go past your max recoverable volume, this brings you into the point where you're going to kind of be getting diminishing returns. So growing less. And if you are doing less than your minimum effective volume, you're not going to grow at all. So we want to be in the middle there. We want to spend time between those two points. This is from um, Dr. Mike Isretel and Renaissance Periodization. So like they, they have coined, he has coined those terms, but it's very, they're very commonly used. So we want to sit in between our minimum effective volume and our max recoverable volume, train hard, progress, and we will grow essentially. Okay. In general, we can think of volume as being kind of a function of our intensity. So like I said before, if you're training every single set to failure, that's going to be a very potent stimulus and you're probably going to need less sets. But if you train with a few reps in reserve, which again, you can do that, it's fine. You're just probably going to need more volume to accumulate enough effective reps. Okay, your frequency also matters. So in general, in general now, training a muscle twice a week has been shown to produce more growth than once a week. However, this isn't, it's not that it's anything magic about the twice versus once. It's usually more so about being able to split your volume up across the week. So instead of doing 20 sets in one session where those last five to 10 sets are kind of shitty because you're fatigued and you can't produce as much force, you do 10 sets one day, 10 sets the other day, all those sets are a much higher quality 
taken closer to failure they're better sets they're going to produce more growth okay so that's kind of why frequency matters and why it can affect things it's not to say twice a week is magic like i said you can also do three times a week if you want you know like i, I train legs three days a week there's probably going to be a point where i train legs four days a week because i need to be able to spread my volume out and do more volume but again a good place to start if you're just trying to um you know grow overall twice a week do eight to 20 sets a week progress and that that should be the sweet spot obviously there's way more that goes into programming there's exercise selection there's rest periods there's tempos but that's kind of a very basic start point okay so i think i'm going to wrap it up here because this has been a very information heavy one um hopefully it's provided you with some value hopefully you have a better understanding now of how we actually grow how our muscle cells our muscle fibers contract to produce force how when we produce force and we expose those muscle fibers to tension and we take it close to failure we are switching on those anabolic pathways within our sets hopefully you understand why the last few reps of a set are so important for stimulating muscle growth hopefully you have a better idea if you do want to start training to failure how you can start doing that times you might do it times you might not do it and a little bit more of an insight into why we will do a certain number of sets per week and frequency and all that sort of stuff so this is one side of the coin this is the the stimulus this is the 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 signal this is the message hey bro we need to grow in the next episode i'm going to cover the other side of the coin which is basically going to be okay how do we go away from that session and optimize our recovery so that we are then going to adapt from that stimulus grow get better come back again the next time to perform at an even higher level okay so that's today's episode i hope you have enjoyed it i hope you've been able to stick with me i know it's been um a bit of a a bit of a kind of yeah more technical one but again i this is a topic i'm very very passionate about i'm obsessed with training in case you don't know and in case you can't tell i love it i love it so much and yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool topic to learn about. And I think when you know why you do something, it makes it easier to do it. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review, share, tag, all of that wonderful, good stuff. Um, and as always, if you do want to grab one of my August coaching spaces, I am going to be limiting them a bit in August with travel and also because I am working on this big project launch um and yeah especially if you are if you're wanting to get wham this winter just keep an eye out on my socials okay and aside from that i'm gonna love you and leave you thank you so much for listening you beautiful soul have an incredible day and i will chat to you very soon love you bye